This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, sugar? You're listening to Tweet Talk. Yes! A Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. Now it's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Time Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Tweet Talk, episode 17. It's lit. And for episode 17, we got a special guest tonight, Chris Johnson of 17th Watches. Yo, what How up? How you doing, Chris? What up, y'all? All right, Chris. So let's just jump into it. Uh, let the audience know who you are and to tell us a little bit about your backstory, 17th, how you got into that, all that. All right, cool. So my name is Chris Johnson. I'm from California. And um, I pretty much just got my whole my whole journey started, man, when I was 18 years old. I, I was, like, living in San Bernardino, California, which is, like, the hood out here. And uh, I decided to join the Army. So when I joined the Army, I, like, kind of just left this whole area, everything that I thought I knew. And um, just went on an adventure to learn something new, do something new. And eventually I started picking up books, man, while I was overseas. And then before I got out of the Army, I started 17th Watches. And that kind of just like opened up my, you know, my eyes and it opened me up to different opportunities of what was out there in the world. So this was back in 2015. So I've been just building that for the last four years. And I launched a few other companies, man, but that's pretty much how I got my stuff, my start just building this watch company. That's cool. When, when did you, um, when did you first link up with Charles here, Todd Millie? Man, I've been following him. You know, it's crazy. I lived in Germany, like years ago and my brother started sending me his tweets my brother would send me his tweets he'd be like man this dude's this dude's like an asshole but he'd be kicking some games (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like let me see let me check him out so i start reading through his tweets i'm like yeah like man so what's crazy is this must have been 20 maybe 15 or 2016 and um yes i just started like going through his tweets i follow him and i'm just like he says a lot of shit that needs to be said you know like and uh, a lot of things that he talks about is like, you know, how the coach or the community dodges accountability. And that's like, you know, that's one of the things that I like connect with him on. I'm like, yeah, man, almost everything is like in your, you know, it's like your responsibility. Uh, it's on you to take care of your family, to give money, to take care of business, you know, like everything else is an excuse. So uh, that's what he was talking, man. So that's how I started following him like years ago. Do you think that's a military thing? Um. Uh, Nah, because I, I think I felt that way before the military. Like, for instance, I grew up extremely poor, right? Like, I grew up in poverty. Like, my mom's a welfare and stuff. But every single time something bad happened or I felt like, man, why are we living like this? I can instantly look at my parents' decisions and be like, that's why. I can, put the, I can point the finger at it right there, you know? Like, it's not really hard to blame somebody else if your parents out here making dumbass decisions, you know? Like, you can't really blame nobody. You know, 
all right, I'm the result of my mom and my dad making a bunch of dumb decisions. So I was like, I've been aware like that, you know, for a while. Cool. So let's, I think that's a perfect little lead into the first tweet. Uh, you said it's easy to blame your parents, the government, quote unquote, society, the school system, et cetera, for why you're not where you want to be. There's fault and there's responsibility. Your circumstances might not be your fault, but it's your it's responsible it's your responsibility to make them better. Talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So just like what I was saying, man, like, so for instance, like you might say, okay, you know, black American history, these things have happened to us in society, but it's like, okay, what are you doing today? Or like, you know, just growing up, a lot of us have had like rough childhoods. Some of us haven't. Some of us had cushy lives and we want to pretend like our childhoods were rough, you know, but wherever you're at today, like the first 18, 17, 18 years of your life was kind of like the results of your parents, right? Whatever your parents, the, the decisions that your parents made for you. But after that, it just becomes your own decision, right? Like same thing. So that's why I talk about like your family might, they might've uh, um, held you back growing up or back in the day or whatever, but what are you doing today? Same thing with the government. Yeah, there, there might, there still might be things in place that, are like set out to discriminate against you, but what are you doing other than that? Other than sitting around talking about it all day, you know? So it might not be your fault that you're in the situation that you're in, but it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility to make your life better, to make your services better, to make your family better, you know? Like, cause nobody else is gonna come take care of a grown adult. So it's like, it's one thing to place blame somewhere, but you gotta go out and fix, you know, whatever it is that, that needs to be fixed. I saw a, uh... Yeah, I saw I saw an Instagram video this morning and it was talking about how you can't allow like the past to ruin your future. And I think that so many people do that. They they allow what happened to their great, 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 great granddaddy to ruin what they're doing in the future yep. by allowing it to prevent them from taking action in the present. And so that was kind of the, that's kind of like what what I heard what I hear when I hear that tweet. But another thing is is like as you get to a certain age you actually have as much power, if not more, than what your parents have. Yep. Meaning that like, you have the ability to le like, legit create whatever you want in life. We got so much time in the day. I always tell people, like, we're, we're doing this right now at, at 9 o'clock my time, 12 o'clock Raphael's time, and we're, we're getting to an extra bag this way. Yep. And so I, I feel like – yeah, go ahead, man. Oh, I was going to say, and actually, you know, if you were to compare your circumstances to the circumstances of your ancestors – it's a slap in the face to bitch about what you're going through right now. You know, like, well, the whole world's in your hands and like, this is what you want to complain about, you know? Like, so like you said, like, man, you really, you work eight hours, you might sleep eight hours. What are you doing for those other eight hours other than, you know, using these tools that we have in our hands for entertainment or to be funny or to be cool or try to fit in or whatever the case is when you could be, you know, like advancing yourself or whatever, or just connecting with people However you want to use these tools that we have, but we have these tools in which our parents didn't have them, our, you know, our great-grandparents didn't have them, our grandparents didn't have them. It was really like we were playing around a lot. Well, not I shouldn't say a lot of people, but some people are playing around with it, and every single day they act like, you know, like life is hard, or they just get online and start complaining every day. It's like, bro, look at your habits. You know, this all falls on you. What, what, this is a, a Twitter-related show, and so it seems like you've mastered Twitter. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about <laughs> what, what you've done to kind of hack Twitter? Um, so basically my Twitter growth is, I think a lot of things in life are really simple, 
and we complicate them and we overcomplicate them. So I really just like bring a lot of like metaphors and similes like to Twitter and I try to keep things as basic as possible to, um, to kind of either trigger someone to think, think about something deeper or to kind of piss them off in a way, you know, cause sometimes I'll just say a bunch of shit to like piss people <laughs> off or whatever. But reality is it, it's just like, you're connecting with people, you, you know, whatever you think, if you think like butterflies are the best like insects in the world, there's other people out there that think the same thing. So whatever it is you want to build your brand around, you just need to talk about those things. You know, you want to talk about the positive sides of these things. You want to talk about the negative sides. You want to talk about the pluses, the minuses, the, the good people, the, the bad people. You just want to talk about this. Almost, almost the same three or two, you know, um, topics every single day, but you want to do it in really unique, creative ways, you know? So sometimes I might crack on people who just go blow money in credit cards, or sometimes I might talk about, you know, like, I don't know, sometimes I just find ways to like, I guess, trigger reaction, man. And then what happens is once people catch on to like, okay, let's see what this dude's talking about. You hit him with another tweet. You hit him with another tweet. You hit him with another tweet, you know? So a lot of times people go viral on Twitter. And like, if I post a joke, that joke might get, let's say 15,000 retweets. But if you click on my page, I only got 400 followers. That's because the joke is more interesting than I am. So that's something I learned really early on. So if you start to pick up traction, you need to go build like a thread and let people know, like, yeah, that was funny, but I'm actually funny. You could follow me. You know, like, you know, that might have been insightful, but there's more where they came from. So I just start building threads on the things I know about or things I learn about or the contradictions I see in, like, in society. Nice. Hmm. All right. So, Charles, you said um, make money you don't need and hide it. <laughs> I like um, that. I just... There's another tweet that was connected to that tweet and it was talking about how like, well, I just feel like, I feel like a lot of us, we work just enough to like, to be broke. Be, yeah. You know, I was going to say that next. I know you're lazy because you only work enough to be broke. Right. So it's like, there's a reason why people are, are paycheck to paycheck. But then, like we said before, there's 24 hours in a day, eight of them you sleep, eight of them you work. There's eight other hours that you could be doing something to make money. There's eight, eight other hours that you could be doing to create money that you don't really need because in reality, your eight hours is, really just how you survive. So the other eight hours are what you kind of build with. And so my thing is at this age, we don't have time to like, like bullshit. We're not trying to go to different parties. We're not trying to like, for me, at least I'm not out here trying to like see what every chick is doing in her DMS. So it's like, I could use that same energy and effort to create money, but then we're making money strictly for the purpose of investing. And so a lot of people will say, well, I want to invest, but I have no money, but you have time. So you should exchange that time or as Chris would say, exchange those goods for money. And then you just earn that money strictly for the purpose of investing that money. And then you have the capital and you have no excuse. And so you can sit around and you could say, I don't have generational wealth, or you could just utilize what you have and get that cash and then put that cash to work. Well, that's a buzzword right there. Generational wealth. That's everyone throws that around to get some more clicks, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel it, you know, and it's important, but I feel like people use that. Like, Hey, you want to build some, build some generational wealth and then they start selling you on like forex or something you know like <laughs> sit down close that and passive income. yeah that's true passive income don't say the forex word yeah. <laughs> that, that seems to be the new thing that charles is on now oh, yeah shut down these forex people oh bro somebody tried to hit me with that yesterday at the gym man <laughs> They, bro, all their approaches are the same. They're always like, 
they find me and my brother were just talking and he just looks for a way to join our conversation. He's like, oh, you guys think about moving to San Diego? He was like, oh, that's cool. I'm from San Diego. So what do you do for a living? I'm like, man, here we go, bro. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Man, I had to shut that down quick. Oh, boy. All right. So I like what I like about you, Chris, is you talk a lot about entrepreneurship, selling goods and what's not. But you also say some regular stuff for regular people. Like simple basic stuff like uh-huh. you had a you you have um this one is on actually on IG where you said no matter how much money you make, the key to growing wealth remains the same. Make money, use your money to make more money, live below your means. That's the quote unquote secret everyone's been looking for. Yep. That's it, man. That's that's really it. Like, it, it really doesn't matter if you're at Walmart, if you're in the military, like, one, living below your means so that you don't get caught up in the cycle working just to pay bills, and then two, just increasing your income. And the best way for you to increase your income is to invest your income. You either need to invest your time or you need to invest your money, or you need to invest both, right? If you invest money, you end up with more money. If you invest time, you end up with more time by getting money, right? So, you can really start at the bottom. Like, man, yesterday I posted a screenshot that one of my cousins sent me. This dude's never made more than 40 grand in a year, man. He has six figures plus in the in the, uh, in the stock market. He's just been investing for the last four years. You know, it's crazy, bro. Um, but some people think like, oh yeah, when I get, so let's say you're a 20 year old will say, all right, when I'm 30 and I have a career and I have all these things going for me, I'll start investing. You know, it's like, bro, you can start investing now. You know, like, you don't know the power of $50 a week or $50 every two weeks or, you know, like you don't know the power of it, man. Like you got to have time in the market. You got to have time. You got to go get your experience, whether, you know, you're in stock market, you're in business, you're in real estate, you have to put the time in, you know? So it's important to like keep your cost of living low. So then you'll have that surplus to invest and then just take, uh, take, take the necessary steps. But some people don't think that and they think that they got to have this super high income to get started, you know? And, it's crazy because everybody has a weapon and the weapon is your income. No matter if it's, you know, $2,000 a month or if it's $25,000 a month, your weapon is your income. Uh, and you could just use that to multiply. I feel like in a lot of ways it, it comes down to what you're focused on. Yep. And if you're focused on getting your money right and doing the things that help you get your money right, you're likely going to get your money right. But if your focus is making sure you have the newest and the hottest, you'll probably have the newest and the hottest, but your money won't be right. And then you'll be what over here mad because your money's not right. And it's not because of your circumstances or your lack of income. It's literally just your focus. What yeah. do you focus on? Oh, that's so, that's so important. And then what a lot of people don't see is just the delayed gratification. Like, all right, I spent a bunch of years not buying designer clothes, not buying Jordan, not buying a bunch of stuff that was high in comparison to the income that I make. But now if I were to buy something like that, you know, it wouldn't bother me at all. But it's just like, you know, so if you like fly shit, it's cool, but wait till you get the bag first. Wait till you're secure first, where, right. you know, you're not sweating whether, like, you want to go buy a new outfit or something. Like, all right, you just go get your new outfit, bro. But if you don't prioritize, like, setting yourself up for the future, that one outfit would be the difference in you not having gas money to get to work, you know? Yeah. But you're right. Sure. Focus. So it seems like not only have you hacked Twitter, You've also hacked Instagram. <laughs> Man. Would you say that the same principles apply to being successful on Instagram or is it a little bit different? Nah, Instagram is different. 
Instagram is different. So I got big on Instagram before I got big on Twitter. And then the algorithm came and, and um, cut me down, right? Like, so now I don't get as much engagement as I used to. But so what I did on in Instagram, bro, um, it used to have everything in like chronological order, right? So what I would do is I'll post something and then I'll delete it. And then I'll post it again, like an hour later, I'll delete it if I was running a sale or something. So every time somebody refreshes, I'm at the top of their page. This is before the hour. <laughs> you know? So if I'm running a sale, like you're going to see my sale, like, you know, and I'm just going to keep that going. Or, um, now, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different on Instagram. You still like the same principles apply. You want to show people like cool stuff or whatever's relevant to them. But on Twitter, what's really powerful about Twitter is like, okay, if I get a retweet when, when uh, Charles had his big account, or if I get a retweet from the Todd Millie account, that's like an endorsement. That's going to go out to thousands of people. And then those thousands of people can retweet me too. So I can grow like kind of quick. But on, mm -hmm. on Instagram, you know, you, you're relying on either getting a shout out from a big page or going to comment. Like you have to actually, actually go um, do the work on Instagram. Where on Twitter, you can, you're, three way, you're three tweets away from having 5,000 new followers, you know? Right, right. Uh, so it's a little different. It's a little different, but it's still the same. But the most important thing is you find out how these social medias work. You find out uh, how they reward their users. And then you just, that, there goes your hack right there. So you're not just using the platform, you're studying the platform. Yeah, I'm studying. <laughs> Bro, I, wrote, I read a $15 book in 2015, man, that, that probably got my account to about 20,000 followers. A $15 book from some Canadian dude. He was talking about this is how you hack Instagram and, and this is how you can build a brand on Instagram. I'm like, all right, cool. And um, that's the way I just put my money up. I, I bought that book and I just started studying everything that he was doing or everything that he was saying. And I'm like, damn, this shit works. And it makes sense, you know, like, if everything that just got posted is at, is at the top and you want to stay at the top of people's feeds. Right. Right. I like it. So, so you talk about court, like uh, courses or whatever. So you got the course, uh, was it six figure side hustle? Yep. Is that the only one you have? Now I have six figure side hustle, profit King, which those two go hand in hand and then Twitter money. So, um, six figure side hustle. I'm just teaching people how to build product brands, right? So my whole philosophy is everybody, let's say everybody knows somebody has a clothing brand, right? And for you guys listening, I'm not shitting on clothing brands, but if you're buying a shirt for $7 and you're trying to sell it for $20, $25, your profit margin isn't large enough for you to eventually, you know, make a killing. The people who make killings and clothing brands move into retail stores, right? So when JCPenney picks you up and they order 20,000 shirts, and you have a small profit margin, but you're moving 20,000 units, that's how you can make money. But let's say you have like this portable, like you have this portable charger right here. You can buy this for $8 and sell it for $65 10 times a week. Now you got, you know, significant amount of profit. So basically that's what Six Figure Side Hustle and Profit King is about. And then Twitter money, since I was selling these on Twitter, so I'm selling these two courses on Twitter and I'm making a lot of money doing so, like 25,000 a month, right? So what I did with Twitter money is I just basically show people how I hack Twitter, you know, like how do I get engagement? How do I run sales? How do I, you know, like just grow my Twitter or whatever? Because in theory, this is like, this is really powerful. If you can take a $0 product, like a course, spend $0 in marketing because you're just using social media and then go make $25,000 a month, like there goes your ticket to financial freedom right there, as long as you're creative. So I put the Twitter money uh, course together and, you know, I just let it. I just let it go for like fifty bucks. 
Man, is there a reason why you price your products at a an affordable price as opposed to like this huge big ticket price? Uh, yeah. So one, I know I know the type of person that's going to follow me and listen to my message, right? And these type of people, I would say like me. So for for my watches, for example, I price my watches at a price that I would shop for. And I do the same thing with my courses. If I seen some dude on Twitter popping his shit and I'm like, man, what he's saying sounds good, but I don't want to risk a thousand dollars. I don't want to risk $2,000, you know, just to find out if he's the real deal or not. But if he has some for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or 150 bucks, then sure. And I think, you know, psychologically, if I'm telling people, yo, this is how you can make more money. It's very doable. Here's all my proof. And all I'm asking for is 50 bucks and they don't cough up that 50 bucks. I feel like they'll feel guilty. Like, man, I'm playing myself. Right. right, right. But it's, it, there's a specific type of person that I'm marketing to, you know, these are the people who are like, either they have similar backgrounds to me or they just, they just like, you know, everyday blue collar workers and they don't really even know if financial freedom is possible, but they want to strive for it. So that's like one part of it is I know who I'm talking to. And then the second part of it is I focus more on growing. So Somebody can sell a thousand dollar course and get 15 sales a month, or I could try to sell, you know, I could try to sell a hundred dollar course and then try to run that up times 150. But that means I need to, I need to grow my account. And because I know how to grow accounts, it doesn't bother me that to sell something for 50 bucks or hundred bucks or 150 bucks, because I know every single day I'm going to get a hundred new followers. So if I can convert seven of these hundred new followers to give me a hundred bucks or 50 bucks or 75 bucks every single day, then I'm good, you know? That's dope. That's dope. I have a tweet, Rafael, I'm going to cut you off again. And I, mm -hmm. I like it a lot. It says, if I woke up tomorrow with $0 in my bank and all my businesses were gone, I would have a 1K by the end of the day. Why? Because I built the skills necessary to always keep money in my pocket. Even if I had to go to the public library to use the computer, learn skills, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> so check this out. There's certain things that you can do in life that nobody can take from you, right? So your knowledge is like one of those things. So if I showed you a word and the word said meeting and I tell you, hey, pretend like you don't know how to read this word meeting. You can't pretend like you don't know how to read it. You know how to read. You have a skill, which is called reading. Same thing. The same thing applies with making money. Once mm. you have a skill that you could either go offer people and then selling yourself is another part of the skill. You know, you need to go articulate what you can do for people. Once you learn that, there's there's no way that you can't make money, you know? And then if I had to walk down to the library just so I can print out some flyers or do whatever I had to do to go talk to people in a business center or whatever, say, yo, let me build you a website or, you know, I can do this for you, I can do this for you. I, I looked you up online, you don't even have a website, bro. I could build one, plus I can get you a business email, plus I can get you social media for $500. I can go talk to 10 people and get hired two or three times, like, right. you know? And uh, it's just certain things that you learn. And this is why you don't want to like get the hacks to everything. Some things you want to go learn how to do. You don't want, you know, the shortcuts to everything. Because once you learn, you can't unlearn. Right. Yep. 100%. That's one of the reasons why I tell people like, for first and foremost, doing is a lot more valuable than just like thinking and planning. Because that do becomes a skill and that skill becomes marketable. The other, man, the other is just that I think that in a lot of ways, even education, a lot of people, they downplay it, but education is a business. So therefore, my knowledge of whatever subject that I know, 
allows me to then market that to the world, which then allows me to never ever be broke because I can just run a sale. I can create a product. A lot yep. of the products that I create are really just my, in, my intellect that I package up and sell it. And that's why when Jay Morrison tweeted that thing, or he, he said that thing about he can create money out of thin air. I was like, I really, I, I feel that. And you can do the same thing. You do it all the time. Yeah. You say, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to use Twitter. You're going to charge me. I'm gonna, you're going to pay me this much money. And therefore I'm going to fill my bank accounts. Man, it's, that's, that's very important that people know that, especially people, you know, of our skin color, they know that if you can make money with your minds, your, your potential is unlimited, you know? So one of my mentors, he's, uh, he's my older cousin and he had an opportunity to go play in the NFL, but he's an aerospace engineer. He's the smartest dude I know. He turned it down and all his friends ended up going to the NFL. His friends lasted two, three years in the NFL. You know, they, they had their fun. They partied. They did all this stuff. He's like, no, man, I just want to work for NASA or work for Boeing. I'm like, damn, but why don't you just give the NFL a shot? He told me something that was real. He said, because if you can make money with your body, if you make money with your body, when your body goes, so will your income. You make money with your mind, you'll be rich forever. And that kind of just stuck with me, man. Like, so that goes you know, to what you're saying, bro. It's like, if you could just come up with an idea, then articulate your idea, market your idea, market yourself. Boom, there you go, man. You're just like a walking money bag. What you got That's for cool. us, Raphael? What you got? Yeah, it's funny because that was the f that was the first tweet of Chris's that I, I had. My bad. I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It works out. It works out because uh, Charles, you tweeted the folks who won't pay for a degree are the folks ask you to teach how to do the things you sell. And you were talking about how people want 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 to learn everything that you know for free and stuff like that. Well, I mean, honestly, that was kind of a crossover from I was I was listening to that David Better podcast and he was talking about how there is this personal trainer and he has like courses and products and training services that he has that he actually like sells. But people are sliding his DMs and say, hey, man, I'm trying to lose 15 pounds. Can you help me out? And so his thing is, is that's kind of actually like disrespectful because you can go to the link tree and the link tree has all the information you need. But instead, you want to slide in the DMs and then get upset when I tell you like, no, I can't really help you or worse, don't respond. And they really get mad. So that's, that's kind of what that, what that came from. Nothing, right. nothing, nothing, nothing deeper than that, Rafael. Hey, wait, I, I got something for that too, man. If the, when you say the type of person that won't pay for education, that's why I think that, uh, you know how, like there's, there's statistics that show you that if you go off to, if you go to college, you're going to be better off than those who don't go off to college. Right. But I'm willing to bet it's because it's the type of person that will go to college, you know? So if you get like a, a high school kid that's geared for college and geared to go, you know, study something that's meaningful, I mean, you say, all right, bro, at the end of 12th grade year, you're actually not going to go to college. You're going to go do something else, right? Because he was the type of person that was going to go better himself or further right. himself, he's going to make a killing, you know? So the type of people that don't want to pay for education, they don't want to pay for knowledge, they don't want to pay for anything. These are the people that, you know, They'll blow any opportunity they get. They'll blow, even if that dude who was selling those fitness courses put out free game, they're not going to take advantage of it. Right, 100%. And that's why it's it's not even so much, like you said, it's not the college. It's actually like the mindset. And the same can be true for people who go into the military. Like they have that mindset of like, I'm 18. Technically, I don't have to do anything, but I'm going to go and I'm going to go into the military. I'm going to go and I'm going to do something else that's going to further me as a person. Yep, it's all about the mindset, man. It's all, and it, it just sounds so cliche and it sounds corny, but that's like, that's real, you know? Like, 
that's that's what it's about. It's the type of person that wants to improve himself will improve himself. I like it. And it, and it doesn't stop. I think that's the crazy part about it is it doesn't stop. Like, it's not just like, oh, I'm done with college, so I'm done improving myself. It's like, no, that's a life skill. So, I mean, I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I'm always trying to do different things. And the same mm-hmm. could be said for you. same could be said for Raphael. Like, we're always out here. What's the next thing? We're never just content with like, oh, okay, I've made it. So, therefore, I, I'm good. Like, no, it's like, what's next? Where are we going? What's the next mountain to climb? Man, I, I feel that, bro. That's how, I'm diving into real estate now. You know, I bought two houses, and I'm like, man, I feel completely new out here. But I realize I just, I'm following the same process that I did when I wanted to get e-commerce money or when I wanted to get money in the stock market. I'm, I'm learning a little bit. You know, I'm going to learn the basics. I'm going to learn the fundamentals. But I'm not about to sit back and learn all day. You know, like, I got to put some, I got to put some, you know, some action behind it. 100%. Speaking of new things, Chris, you started this new uh, thing, it looks like, iMac Masters. Yeah. I, I saw somebody on Twitter kind of like making fun or criticizing, saying that, oh, this guy is selling eight year old Macs for 300 bucks. Uh-huh. Tell us a little bit about the new iMac And look, this is, this is one thing that I, I make sure I mention this often because this is the way I am. I'm not like a real estate guru. I'm not like this e-com guru. I'm not this, I'm a hustler. So if there's opportunity to make money, I'm going to make money, you know? So that's what I did. There was a school in Tennessee, a school district in Tennessee. They were selling off their computers. And I was like, man, I'll take 140 of them. So because I bought so many, I got them at a good price. So I told my sister and my brother, I'm like, I'm going to ship these to you guys' house. You guys post them on Facebook, uh, Facebook Marketplace offer up i'll make a website you guys get the sale just kick me the money when it comes boom it's been working man 18 days in i sold uh sold 24 computers so far and i'm waiting on the boys and girls club in atlanta to let me know if they want to buy 40 so i might just have like a big deal coming too you know but anytime there's an opportunity to buy something at a low cost and sell it at a high cost man i don't care if it's down quarter parties bro i'm gonna do it you know Todd Capital is definitely getting some computers soon. But the crazy part about it is this is very, very important because I wrote a blog. I haven't posted this blog yet, but it it kind of speaks to like people need to find something to sell. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have a whole community of people who is struggling and they're looking for jobs when really they just need to find something to sell. And it doesn't matter what that thing is, but the problem is this. The problem is they don't want somebody to hit them with a tweet saying that they're selling old whatever. Yeah. They want they don't want somebody saying, "Oh, uh, you aren't a lawyer. You over here selling bottles of water." Like, no, like you got to be willing to be insulted. You got to be willing to be made fun of because yeah. I'm telling you, you 18 days, you sell 24 computers, you ain't broke. Yeah, but there's so many people that would, <laughs> there's so many people that would rather be broke. Yep. And be out there selling something, right? Because I feel like I feel like sales has a derogatory meaning in the culture, and people make it seem like if you're selling something that you don't have money, or if you're selling something that you're broke, it's just it's complete. Like I know when even when like when I got out of college and I have a degree in finance, and I could only really find sales jobs, and I hated it. I was like, I want to do something different because I didn't really see the value in sales. Like when you sell something, you have unlimited income. Yep. Like you can make money hand over fist. And I feel like we, as a community, knew more about the value of just like finding something at a low price and selling it, no matter what it is, whether if it's port- porta potties, whether it's, it doesn't matter, we would uh, not have poverty in the community. So, man, bro, you hit it right on the, you hit it right on the head. 
So that's exactly what a job is. Wherever you work, whatever you do for work, your job sells something. You just aren't the person that's selling it. So if you work for Geico, they're selling the insurance and then you write the claims. You know, like if you work for T-Mobile, they're selling the phone. Mm. this This is how I came up with the idea of selling watches because I was making money in the stock market and you know, like I'm, I'm pretty young. And then you're like, all right, how does, let's say, how is Nike going to grow next quarter or next year? Right. Every single company, it all comes down to, they're going to sell more of something or sell something new. But the end, the end goal for every single company is to sell something. So that's exactly what a job is. Your job is selling something. You just aren't, the, you just aren't the intended customer or you just ain't, aren't the buyer, but that's how they get money to pay you for the job. You know, so you could cut out the middleman and just say, I'll sell something myself. Right. We got to, we have to end the shame that comes with selling something. I'll never forget. Yeah. I was, uh, the way I sell is kind of like the Gary Vee way. Like I create a brand, I, I create content, I give out value and the sales come to me. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. I posted something and I was reading through the comments and somebody said, Oh, don't worry about that. He's just going to try to sell you something. Um, on the back end or something. And I kind of felt ashamed. I was like, damn, like I feel bad for actually wanting to sell somebody something. Yeah. And I feel like that's the, and I, I think I kind of, in a sense, like scaled back on my marketing a little bit, but it's like Grant Cardone says, he was like, you do people a disservice when you don't sell them something or you do oh, them a disservice when you don't charge them. Yep. But we don't realize that because we're just looking for the freebie. We're looking for the handout. We're looking for the free stuff. And we don't realize you actually do your community a service by trying to get everything for free. Mm-hmm. Man, that's and then it, it just takes one dude to say, I bought this from Charles. This is how it changed my life. And then you'd be like, oh, for every one person like this, I'm willing to deal with a million haters. You know, like as long as you change somebody's life, because if you change somebody's life, you're gonna change their wife's life, their children's life, probably their brothers and sisters' life. Like information just, you know, rolls. That's what I see. Like everybody, you know, like on on uh Twitter, people would take shots at me, they'd be like, He's selling Chinese watches. Two, he's selling courses. Three, he's selling brands that you can learn how to do that yourself on YouTube. Four, he's selling computers. Like, bro, I don't care what you say, man. Like that one person that comes and like, hey, bro, thanks for helping me out. You know, like what this one dude told me, he, he helped his mom make $8,000 after he bought um, Six Figure Side Hustle. That first month, eight grand, his mom's business was going under. I'm like, bro, I deal with every hater for that. You know, like, that's cool with me. Mm. That's cool. We'll be right back. So, Charles, you said um, the problem of being a solo entrepreneur is you limit the client acquisition to the workload you can handle personally. That's not a business, family. (laughs) I've just experienced this personally. I've experienced where you can kind of create a governor for yourself. So, if the fulfillment is based upon you. You're likely not going to market probably as hard as you can market. And so for me, like I brought on Candace to do a lot of that stuff. And so the goal, and I've experienced this because in the law firm that I'm in right now, I work for an attorney who does nothing but market and advertise. He has billboards. He has commercials. He has pins with his name on it. He has, he, this guy is a marketing master and he probably has one of the biggest law firms in the city. And it's not because he's the best lawyer. It's because he does nothing but advertise. And so for me, what I found in working for this firm is that he has so much business that he can't handle it, but it gets handled. And so in doing so, that kind of speaks to what I said before is like your vision should be bigger than just you. Your vision should allow opportunities for you. 
And that came from me thinking like my friend Tokes, he has an MBA, he manages a bank, but I was like, Tokes should be working for me. And if Tokes is going to work for me, he's going to want to make 150 grand. So my vision has to be big enough so that I can make money and I can afford to pay somebody 150 grand and actually afford to pay my mom, whatever she's worth. And that's kind of where my vision is located right now. Like I'm thinking like I need to get to like 10 X what I'm doing because then by doing so much work, then I bring in too much clientele that I can't fulfill it, which then allows me to create opportunities for other people. And so I don't want to be the person, and it actually was triggered by this person who wrote this tweet and she was saying she doesn't like to get orders that are like too big with a shorter deadline. And I told her, I was like, you need employees. Like that's a good problem to have. You shouldn't not market and advertise because you don't want the business. You should market and advertise 10X that and then just create jobs for other people. And that's why the business is about the community, not just about the individual. That's That was my thoughts on that. Anything you want to add, Chris? Man, bro, that's how I deal with the Ridge Market, man. <laughs> so that's why that's my role that I play in the Ridge Market. So the Ridge Market, you know, for you guys don't that don't know, I build physical product brands, but my role is just strictly to market. I'm the face of the company, you know, and I had, you know, I had one person on at sixty thousand dollars as a web designer, a photographer at seventy thousand dollars, my business partner, then a team of virtual employees. So you know, I was at the point where I had to cover. $30,000 a month in salary. So they execute when I bring the orders in. So it's strictly on me, like what Charles was saying, it's strictly on me just to market, market. I'm on Twitter, I'm on the phone, I'm on Instagram, I'm talking to everybody. I bring these sales in, I bring these sales in. I don't have to worry about the work getting done on the back end. You know, uh, I have to worry about bringing the sales in and I built the team and handed out the jobs so people can fulfill the work. But it's like, if, if it was your responsibility to bring in the sales, create the website, create the product, create all that stuff, you probably do about 10% of the business. Yep, exactly. Exactly, bro. The, the first day I launched in business, I realized I needed a partner. I say, I say, yo, I'll build you a brand for $1,000. The first 10 people to send me uh, send me $1,000, I'll build you a brand. I had that shit in three minutes, bro. And I'm like, <laughs> and there goes 10K in three minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna need a team. <laughs> I'm gonna need a team, man, because I'm not gonna stop there. Cause it feels only about me. I would have to stop. I would have to say, I can only manage myself to build 10 brands, you know, or I could say, let me just keep taking these orders and then go build a team that could fulfill it for me. You know? So I had 82 orders in the first three weeks and I'm like, all right, here's your job. Here's your job. Here's your job. Here's your job. Let's get this rolling. I know we talk a lot about like using your mindset to create money and using your intelligence and your skills. But I always tell people like, being a CEO is a skill. So being the person that can start from the idea to the staff, to the implementation, that is a skill. And so it's even so much so as like, you don't really do anything but put the thought in process. And then the thought itself brings in the money. It's just the idea that brings in the money. Yep. Man, that's what it is. That's, that's what being a visionary is. Like, all right, look, I got this idea. I'll put it out there. You know, we'll make this work somehow, some way, you know? So that's dope, man. And then once you get to the point where you, I think like right now I have enough clout that I can launch a lot of different businesses and then find the jobs to like fulfill them. But um, that's like, that's, that's the, the position you want to work to be towards, you know, where I could say, yo, for my brother, here's a job for my sister. Here's a job, you know, for the homies or my cousins, whatever, here's a job, here's opportunity, you know, like you help me, I help you. So a lot of people in our community have this issue with 
everybody wants to be the captain of the boat. You know, everybody wants to be the captain of the ship. Everybody wants the credit. Everybody wants to be LeBron James, you know? So it's crazy that um, sometimes we can't even build these powerful teams because our egos are caught in the way, you know? Right, right. One of my one of my favorite tweets is a classic tweet. It's and I still kind of live by this is if you spend money every day, you should get paid every day. Hey, <laughs> I like that. Yes, sir. So, um, bro, like that's I think I just, you know, I say things like that to keep people in the mindset of attacking. Right. So this is what happens. We grow up, you know, well, some of us, we grow up in these uh, in these households where all our parents do is wait for the next tragedy to happen wait for the next, you know, like, I don't know, whatever to happen. So we're just saving money playing defense every single day, but we're spending money too. So we're saving our money, waiting for something bad to happen, waiting for a tire to blow out or your engine to blow out. And then we're spending money every single day at the grocery store, paying our insurance, paying our bills, doing all this stuff. So there's no point of just sitting back waiting for life to happen to you. If you're going to spend that money every single day, you need to make money every day. Play offense, bro. If you spend $100 a day, but you make $500 a day, you're good, you know? But if you're spending $100 a day, and then at the end of the month, you spent three racks, and you only made three racks, you got to just repeat the whole cycle next month. So if you're actively out trying to make money, trying to do things, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're walking around all day, like, you know, trying to talk to people. Sometimes it's just you setting a system in place and then promoting it. So whatever the case is, you know, like if you make money every single day, I mean, if you spend money every single day, you need to make money too. So that means, you know, for, especially for the people who work nine to five jobs where they only pay hourly, that means two days out of every single week, you're not being paid. Like over the course of the entire year, that's like a third of the year that you, you didn't even get paid for, but you spent money every single one of those days. Right. I feel like that one, that quote changed my life because you're right. It put me in attack mode. It put me in every single day. I need to be doing the actions that are going to bring income into my life. There's another thing that you said, man, what was it? Oh, I forgot what it was. Home, bro. <laughs> man, I, I, learned, I, learned, I learned a lot. A lot I model a lot of my actual econ business off of you. But one of the things I realized this morning is just like, if you're not marketing to the internet, you're losing money because yep. the internet is like 7 billion people. Yep. Like there's so much money to be made on the internet, not even just in repeat customers, but like if you, it's just, it's out there. It really is. Bro, uh, bro let me tell you, let me tell you something, man. Last night. So I was, uh, I was up kind of late last night and I was, before I was about to go to sleep, I'll tell you a little trick that I use for Twitter, right. And how it works for me almost every single time before I go to sleep at night, right. Before I, well, I should say before I get off my phone for the night, I go back to one of my sales pitches. I usually search my name and I'll search a sales pitch. So I'll sell like, I'll search like my name, then I'll search course or computer or something like that, right? So last night I decided it was gonna be computers. So I went, I have a video that has like, man, 10,000 views of me loading the computers on the thing. So I went and I retweeted that. And then I found another one saying like, if you're looking for a reliable home computer, you know, I have IMAX. I retweeted that and I retweeted one more thing. So I retweeted myself three times before I went to sleep. I woke up to two new sales, right? So it's like, if I, if I didn't retweet that, it would have been at the bottom of people's minds. Yeah. So when I was going to sleep, people around the world, people in Europe who follow me, people in India who follow me are just waking up or maybe they're at lunch. So if I'm going to lay down before I go to sleep, I just go retweet myself to stay relevant while I'm sleeping, you know? 
That is dope. That's how I always, man, if you if you notice, I'll say this too. Like, man, I woke up to some money. I woke up to some money. I woke up to some courses, some course sales. I woke up to some, you know, brand sales. It's because usually I retweet myself before I go to sleep. Or I'll just, like, make a new promotion before I go to sleep. That's dope. What do you got for him, Raphael? Oh, I was just listening to that retweet stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, like, I like it because I've seen Tasha do something similar where you can reuse powerful content if it's worked before it'll probably work again yeah i think she she has hers on um um she has a schedule right it's a little a different of, a lot of times it's just it's something that hit hard the first time yep so right. oh man i'll tell you guys another i'll give you guys another since this is tweet talk and i'll give you guys another gym if you mm-hmm. were viral last year saying something or doing something just go ahead and copy and paste it this year if you uh, were six months ago, go ahead and copy and paste this year. This time, because you know if it drew a reaction the first time, it's gonna draw, uh, it's gonna draw a similar reaction the second time. But you need to be ready to promote yourself under it. So yeah. I have a, a tweet that every single time I tweet this, it goes viral, right? And it says, "Sexy, I'm a lawyer. I make seventy thousand a year. Uh, real, I'm a plumber. I make five hundred dollars. I own a plumbing business. I make five hundred thousand dollars a year." It sparks a debate because people instantly start thinking lawyer versus plumber, but they're not thinking lawyer versus business owner, right? So it just sparks this whole debate or whatever. I always run sales under that, and it always kills. It, it's almost like guaranteed I'll probably make five grand the day that I tweet that. Wow. It's funny because I've had – I remember I had it's – not, it's not like – I had that tweet about, like, rappers getting married but acting like they're single – and I tweeted it once when I saw like Snoop Dogg pop up and I tweeted the same thing with two chains and both times they hit the shade room. Uh-huh. And so I thought that was so crazy because it's the same exact tweet different times, but it, every time it went bi- viral. Yeah. Like, so if you ever call out a contradiction, that's kind of one of the ways that you'll know that you'll go viral, man. You call out a contradiction. So that's what you're doing. You're like, look at these dudes doing this, but they really look like that. You know, they really live like this. And I think it's crazy. I remember when you went viral tweeting that. And I think that that's what's, I think that and like hyper consumption, like it's, it's things that we don't even like second guess when it comes from rappers. Like, man, these dudes will tell you anything. They'll tell you go blow their money while they're at home on a budget or got a financial uh, a financial advisor. Or they'll tell you go sleep with these chicks, blah, blah, blah. So all these young dudes is thinking this is the way to live and they go home with the same girl every night, the same woman every night. Yep. Which yeah, is crazy. What do you got for Raphael? Yeah, I was just saying that's crazy because I remember like uh, Big Pun when he was alive. He used to have his train. He used to talk a lot about running trains on women. And after he died, I heard a story said that he never went anywhere without his wife. Crazy, bro. He would not go anywhere without his wife. Bro, that's 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 exactly how. If you fast forward in the culture, that's how we get to the 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 Takashi Six Nines. That's how you get to the point where anybody could say anything and we think, oh, it sounds cool. It sounds cool. They ain't even living like that, you know? <laughs> wow. It's, it's funny, too. I saw somebody say something like, uh, I don't know if the Charles said this or somebody else said, like, if you listen to these rappers' lyrics, like, these rappers' lyrics will have your kids going to jail, <laughs> but they're sending their kids to private school. Yeah. Who tweeted that? I forget, man. Bro, I that's, forget so. that's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what it is. Like, you could say anything as long as it sounds cool. There's no accountability. It's a clown's world. 
That's crazy. Those are the type of tweets that made me actually follow, like, Charles, man. Like, he would say stuff like that. I'd be like, man, that shit's crazy. Because everybody would be like, oh, who doesn't? Everybody would attack him because everybody's in love with, like, rap music, you know? But I'm like, nah, that's real, bro. Like, if you know somebody, like, if you ever know, like, a rapper or something personally or, like, an athlete, you know how these dudes live, man. They live in nice neighborhoods, you know? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, what I said I have a yeah. tweet. And the tweet is, it's hard to feel sorry for people who feel sorry for themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Tell me how you feel about that. Um, I mean, it, it resonates with me. That's why I pulled it. I just never really thought about it like that. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I never really, I never really, like, gave it thought. Maybe that's a part of the motivation for not feeling sorry for them, but I never actually like thought that was the reason why. Yep, bro. It's like like you'll be on Twitter, like you could drop a whole gym on Twitter about like whatever it is that you're talking about. You would drop a whole gym on real estate, and somebody would be like, "Well, that's easy for you to say because blah blah yeah. blah, blah blah." Right? And you're like, "All right, bro, you feel sorry for yourself. I don't feel sorry for you. I actually don't give a fuck if you make the money or not. You know what I mean? If you don't care, I don't care. If you don't care, I definitely damn sure don't care. Like." I'm about to go get ice cream and enjoy my day. Like, <laughs> I, I can't feel happy, bro. Like, but it'd be a whole different, like, because imagine it'd be a whole different story if somebody's like, yeah, actually, I invested in real estate and, you know, something happened and a tornado, like, hit the house and my insurance didn't cover it. You'd be like, damn, I feel sorry for you, you know? But somebody's like, that's not even possible, bro. Why are you throwing around these numbers that aren't possible? You're like, hey, you feel sorry for yourself, bro. I, I don't care. Don't you know that the government redlined us? Yeah, oh, that's, that's that, case. that that culture that that we're a press culture. It's like, bro, man, I got a homegirl like this, man. I met this chick in 2014. Every single day, I, I guarantee I can go on her Instagram right now. She posts facts and stats about how the U.S. government uh, was holding black folks back, right? Every single day. And every time I see her in person, we always argue about it. I say, look, you've been arguing about this for you've been talking about this for five years. Imagine if you would have did hmm. something, you know? Imagine if Ooh. you would have. You could have started a sock company five years ago. You would no longer be oppressed. You know, like, it's on your mind, bro. You keep feeding the same bullshit that they're, they they want you to feed, you know, that they want you to uh, uh, feed into. So then whenever we got to eat, she's like, yeah, I'm just work, working for this company. And I don't know, like, I'm not making good money. And it's like, damn, I don't feel sorry for you. Like, that's what you put your <laughs> It kind of, it reminds me of that Chris Rock. Uh, I think it's a joke or something. He was talking about how, like, if he ran out of gas in his car and if he just stood by his car waiting for somebody to pick him up, nobody would pick him up. But if he just started, if he just started pushing the car, people would hop out and help him push the car. And so I guess that's, I'm, I, I never, it never registered with me because I just kind of like look past it. It's like, if you are willing to help your situation, like why should I help you help, help your situation? Yeah. <laughs> what you want me to do, bro? Come to your house and like build you a website for you? Like <laughs> what the hell you want me to do? Like, you don't care. I don't care. So, so Charles, you said y'all only support the black folks you agree with. I got love for everyone. <laughs> uh, I just now that I have a new Twitter, and I'm circling, <laughs> I'm circling back around to people that I haven't followed in a long time, or I unfollowed before, or I blocked. I'm starting to realize like it's okay to still be cool with somebody if you don't agree with them. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in the culture. 
if you disagree with somebody, then you're canceled or you're not black anymore, yeah. or you aren't a part of the, you aren't a part of the culture or you aren't for the culture. And there's a lot of solid people that I've fallen out with. And then I listen to them on a podcast and they say a lot of stuff that I agree with, but we fell out over like a hundred bucks. And so I was thinking like, that's, that's stupid. Like, it doesn't man, make sense. Who you talking to? Talking about man. <laughs> I think but, but, name names. So, name names. No, I'm not naming names. But like, see, the, the thing <laughs> is, like, it's like you can't be for black folks, and then also not support people you disagree with, because that doesn't mean you're for black folks. That means you're for people who you just who you agree with. Yep. But people will disguise it as I'm for us. Like, no, you're not for us. You are for. It and sounds like yourself. Yeah. Right. And so me growing in this experience, I'm realizing like, you can't say that you're for the culture. You can't say it for your people with asterisk next to it. And so I'm starting to be more open-minded. I'm starting to just kind of like entertain ideas that I might not agree with, but knowing that if something rolls across my timeline and I disagree with it, I just so happen to disagree with them on that 1% of things. There might be 99% of things that I agree with, or there might be 0% of things that I agree with. And I think that that's what we need to get as a culture because right now we're at odds. You have liberals, you have conservatives, you have people clashing over like like nonsense. When at the end of the day, a lot of us agree about the same stuff. Yeah. If you were to break down like black liberals and black conservatives, we're a lot of times saying the same thing different ways. It's just we label it red or blue and then hate you because you're red or blue, not realizing we all want the same thing. It just looks different. So that's kind of where I want that tweet. So me and my brother had this conversation about you like maybe four or five days ago, right? And the reason why you came up is because, you know, you use one of your Instagram pages just to repost people. And I said, the reason why I like his page the best, because it seems to be unbiased, right? A lot of these pages that repost like the tweets, you know, like people screenshot the tweets and post it on Twitter. A lot of these really, really big pages, they're you can see they have agenda. They, they repost their friends. You know, they repost their friends or they repost the things that they agree with, right? So if somebody like is dropping gems on like, I don't know, how to flip cars, that might not get reposted. But somebody who's talking about how to flip real estate might get reposted just depending on who the, uh, the owner of the page is, right? And it's like, and then what we say about your page is like, you kind of post everything that makes sense. You know, like from, <laughs> from so many different people, you know, like even some people you repost and I definitely don't fuck with them. I'm like, nah, that's, that's out, but that's good information. I'm glad that other people are seeing it, you know, because right. like I might tell somebody like, yo, I don't like this person, but you know, they, they put out some good information. Go follow them. You know, like, cause I ain't trying to hold nobody back, but it seems like on the page that you have, I think it's uh, Todd Investments. I think that page, like, you're just kind of, like, reposting all the best content versus, like, picking, all right, I'm this type of person, so I'm only going to repost this type of content. Right. right. So I'll I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Chris, you said most men feel constrained by life. Because of this, men split into two categories, men who want to conquer life and men who want to be distracted from life. Society has a way of trying to distract the conquerors. Success requires focus. Yeah, so there's, there's like people who just want to, there's the dude that could, that's going to sit in the basement all day long. He just wants to be distracted by life. He doesn't care. You know, like you, like you might look at him and be like, bro, why don't you get up? Why don't you get a job? Why don't you do this? He doesn't care. He just wants to go through life. He just wants to be distracted. 
And then there's those dudes that want to go build these empires. They want to go like, like, what? I could build a pyramid too. They build the pyramids. I can build the pyramids too. There's these people that just want to go out and push their ideas. And, you know, we have words for them. We call them entrepreneurs. We call them all these different things, go-getters. But in reality, there's like a split, like between men. Some men just want to play video games, like nothing against video games. Some men just want to do that. They have no ambition. They have no drive. They have no testosterone. They have nothing in them that's telling them to go take over the world. So when it comes to the people who do have that aggression in them to say, I could build a big business or I could do this or I could do this. I could push myself in the gym. Society kind of has a way to like shit on masculinity, you know, like. So we downplay the things that people want to do or what that people want to like build or whatever. And if we can't downplay it, we just find ways to distract them. You know, we find ways to, I, I see this a lot. Like if you look in like in black culture, there's a lot of strong black men that even that either been murdered, right? Or they've been killed with their reputation. But there's always a way to like distract right. them or distract people from them. Mm-hmm. So I, I realize that these people who do want to go out and push this information or build these businesses, they're going to pay one way or the other. You know, they're either going to get caught up with like little drama. It, it might be little drama in their personal life that becomes big or it might just become distractions that you can throw at people, you know? So uh, I just feel like there's a way there's like, there's a strategical push to take down the men who want to go conquer because you don't have to worry about the other dudes. They're good. You know, two kids coming out. They're good. Mm. So, Chris, um, the plan is in February 2020, you're going to be putting on the Black Men Wealth Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So, we expect to see you there. Man, I'll be there. That's dope. Actually, that's real dope. So cool, man, it'd be it, it actually who's like who's who's putting this on? That's a really good idea. Charles. No, it's 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 uh it's gonna be a combination of people, but Raphael is definitely helping out. Um the organization Blessed Black Man is helping out. Um of course I'm putting a lot of effort into it. Reaching out to Boyce Watkins, reaching out to uh, of course Jay Morrison, Dennis Kimbrough, a lot of solid folks out there that are doing some cool stuff. But the goal really is to to focus, I feel like they have all these like black girls rock and black girls this, but there's not something that's strictly for men there for the purpose of building up African American men. So that's the goal, and we'll, we'll see what comes of it. I was actually talking to my friend. He was like, "We should just do a tour." He was like, "We should we should do it in Atlanta. We should do it in L.A. We should do it in Houston. Do it in Chicago. Do it in Detroit." And so that's an idea too, because there's there's solid brothers in every single state. Oh. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's real deal. I like that you rock with Jay Morrison, man. You see, like when I was talking about the guys who have ambition, they want to do things, and they'll try to make those people pay with their reputation. That's exactly what he just went through. They try to make right. them pay with their reputation, you know? Right. It's crazy, man. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a uh, that conference sounds dope. Yeah. Expect you to come through, man. Yeah, I'll be Yo, there. The- the crazy, the crazy thing about the Jay Morrison situation is it really was – it was just the noise around it. It wasn't like they actually were doing stuff. It's just that people were so – they just thought it couldn't be right. So he goes through the, through the same stuff that a lot of people go through. Mm-hmm. You jump out there and you do something that doesn't look like clocking in. Yeah. Or you do something that doesn't look like 
giving your money to JP Morgan and people want to question you. Yep, man. And sometimes what's crazy, what's crazy is sometimes it's somebody that doesn't look like you, that doesn't talk like you, that doesn't act like you and convinces your people to turn on you or convinces yeah. your people to raise their eyebrow at you, you know? It's and, sad stuff, man. And, 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 bro, man, I feel like I went through that, man. I went through that on Twitter, man. Like, a dude who's not even a part of what we're trying to build, you know, turned another Twitter dude, like, try to get him to turn on me. So he said some stuff about me, and they say, yo, what's your problem with this dude? I got not one problem with that dude at all. You know what I mean? Like, I can't let no puppy come in between, you know. I'm not about to try to slow this dude's money up or start, like, some type of internet beef with him, you know. Like, not because – especially because this guy came and – you know, say what he said. Who are you? Yo, I've seen this dope tweet. It says this, and I feel it. It says a lot of people are against roommate. A lot of people don't have $20,000. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> say what? Let's talk about it, bro. The tweet said a lot of people are against roommates. A lot of people don't mm -hmm. have $25,000, though. All right, mm. so I'll break this down. So – Basically, one of the reasons one of the reasons I came up like so quickly financially is because I kept my cost of living low, right? So when you get to the point like when I first started making like ten grand a month, my rent was six hundred bucks because I was I had a three bedroom apartment with my brothers, like me and two of my brothers or whatever, right? And my rent was like six, actually it was like six fifty a month, right? And I realized that I could have took the bragging rights and had like a nice little spot to myself. But when it's time to invest in something, I'd rather have that money liquid to say, look, man, my cost of living is so low, I could take a chance. Or my cost of living is so low that, you know, I could, I could try something. But every time that I tell, I bring up this idea that like, yo, just a one bedroom might cost you 1400 and a three bedroom might cost you 2300 You might as well split that up. But anyways, every time, especially for like young single folks, you know, like you don't got no kids, you don't got no wife, you don't got no husband, you might as well just, you know, but anyways, every time I bring that up, everybody quote retweets it. Uh, nah, I can't do no roommates. Nah, I like my peace and quiet. No, I like this. No, I like this. Everybody has a reason why they can't do re roommates, but everybody don't got no money either. You know, like there's majority of people don't got 20 grand in their account, but they could have had 20 grand in their account saving $700 a month for three years because they had roommates. So everything, everybody likes to tell me what they can't do, what they can't do, what they can't do. And then they wonder why they're not at where they think they should be. What I hear when, when when you say that is it's like a lot of people like to blame like racism, systematic, all that stuff, but they're not doing whatever it takes. Yep. And I feel like if you aren't doing whatever it takes, if you aren't exhausting all efforts, you don't get to blame anything else but that. If you were if you were out here hustling, doing what you got to do, sacrificing, and you still can't get ahead, then yeah, maybe you about something. You back. <laughs> Let's but look a lot it. of right. <laughs> it's a lot of people out here who aren't. They aren't, they, they just, they aren't getting to it, but then they want to blame everything else, but the fact that they're not getting to it. And that's a problem because if we're honest, we'll realize that we're falling short. We're not doing what's necessary. And that's why we're not winning as opposed to just saying, well, I mean, I would try, but racism, I would do this, but racism, like, no, like you don't even know. It's crazy. Yeah, bro. Like if you think, I always think about how much money does it take to make money? Because truthfully, you can make money with no money. You could just use your mind, like we were talking about earlier in this episode. But if you were to like, let's say I bought these computers, right? I bought 140 computers to flip. 
So I'm looking at like a $60,000 profit, right? So check this out. If let's say it took $2,000 to make money or to like do something to buy inventory, it took two grand. You could flip two grand to, to $12,000. But the problem is you don't have two grand, but you could have two grand if you had a roommate and you saved $700 a month for three months. Right. <clears throat> there goes your money right there, bro. But you just, you know, I don't know. You want to you wanna show people you're on top of the world. Same thing, same thing applies with fly cars too. People will go get fly cars, but they could be stacking that money and investing that money. So then when they actually do get the money and they buy a car, they're not going to think twice about it. Like, yeah, I bought the car and it doesn't bother me, you know? Yep. Yeah, Charles said, this is the perfect time to stack. Yep. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. This is Elwood of Mindset Matters Tees. We offer merchandise with quotes that help shape your mindset. You can find us at www.mindsetmatterstees.com. So, Man. Chris, you, huh? Go ahead. I'm, I'm following your lead, Raphael. Chris, you said credit scores are overrated if you aren't producing. We build credit to borrow money. It's a loophole that doesn't close unless you leave the matrix. Borrow money to make money or don't borrow money at all. Going yep. into debt to consume to get a higher score is ridiculous. All right. So, look, let's break this down. I always catch slack over this credit shit, but I'm going to be, I got to be the guy that tells people this. Look, you going to get a JCPenney card so you can raise your credit score so you can get a good APR on your loan. So one day in the future, you could buy a, your dream house. Like, bro, what are you doing? You know, because then what happens once you get that JC credit, credit card, you start buying shit you were never going to buy in the first place. You're just trying oh, to yeah. build your credit, you know? And then what happens is uh, you go get this car and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a car and it's going to help me on my, it's going to help me uh, with my credit or whatever, right? And which, you know, it will make your payments on time. It will. But the thing is, all of a sudden, because you have access to credit, because you have access to other people's money, you're going to go overspend every single time. Nobody goes, yo, I'm about to get this. I got seven grand, but I'm going to get a loan for seven grand so I can make the payments. People go, oh, I can get a loan? Let me go get the Audi A7. You know, like, where you just borrow Because the interest, you got to pay the interest back. You know, you got to pay the interest back. So if you're going to borrow money, you should be borrowing money to make more money. So instead of getting that JCPenney's card, like, yeah, you could get like a, you could get a credit card that gives you free interest for the whole first 12 months, you know, like, all right, flip something with that. Like if you can go buy more clothes, more shoes just to build your credit, use that money to do something, you know? So that's what happens. We borrow. So we prove that we're a good borrower. So we keep borrowing. <laughs> it just fucking never makes sense to me. I know people right now that make $60,000, $70,000 a year have 700 plus credit scores and will never, ever in their life consider getting a, a, a loan to get a rental property. Like, you're like, what's the point of having access to credit? What was the point of you building this up? You know, like, there's no point of it, bro, just so you can buy cool, like, cool new gadgets every time they come out on your credit card. It makes no sense to me. It, it sounds like, I think, I think it was you who mentioned this, but it's like that debt trap. Mm -hmm. So you go, to, you go to college, you get a mortgage, you get a car, and then you just spend the rest of your life making payments. Yep. But from the outside looking in, you have the American dream. 
from the outside looking in, they're like, yo, damn, look at this dude. Look at this dude, Chris. He has a nice car. He lives in a nice house. He's always dressed well. So from the outside looking in, you have everything that people want. But in reality, you can't even call in sick. You can't miss none of those payments, you know? You can't afford a damn headache. I feel like in a lot of ways, how we try to recondition people's thinking to like buy real estate or invest in stocks, you also have to recondition their thinking when it comes to debt. And so like what you said before, it's like just because they qualify you for 40 grand doesn't mean you got to spend 40 grand. Yep. Just because they qualify you for 400 grand that house doesn't mean that you need to go buy, buy a $400,000 house. The problem is there's a word out there that is trying to sell you something that's 400 grand. There's a word out there who's trying to, to rate, to, to sell you something that you're going to put on a credit card. Yep. So that, that's what's so scary about the debt trap and having access to credit is you are fighting people with a lot of marketing money. You're fighting people with a lot of resources and intelligence and research and data. And they know more about you than you know about you. That's, so that's they're, they're, they're going to find a way to sell you what you want yeah. or, or convince you that what they're going to try to find a way to convince you that you want what they're selling. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the danger of, of credit and debt and think people thinking they're just going to get these huge credit cards and, and just never use them. That's man. So I have like a, a tweet. It always goes viral when I tweet it. And it goes, if you had $20,000, you wouldn't buy a $20,000 car and be broke. If you had $500,000 in your bank, you wouldn't spend $500,000 on a house and be broke. Right. But you have $5,000 in your bank account and you go buy a $30,000 car. You have $20,000 in your bank account and you go buy a $500,000 car. I mean, a house. So what the tweet is, is it's not me telling people you need to pay cash for things. It's like, look how quickly you're willing to spend money you don't even have, bro. Right. You don't even got the money. You're just willing to spend it. So if you did have that 30K, why not go buy a $200,000 house, a $250,000 house? Why, why does it have to be the max, you know, just because you have access to it? Like, it, it defies common sense. Like, access to credit makes people forget about common sense. Like, right. sure, you can afford, man, you can afford anything on a long enough pay, pay table. Like, you <laughs> right. can go get a job, you know? Like, if you, if you can make $60 payments until your great-great-grandchildren die, then sure, get it. And some people don't see it like that. You know, they don't see They're like, oh, if I can get it, if I can make the payments, I'm good. Like, yeah, but you're going to pay $60 a month for the next, you know, 152 years. That doesn't bother <laughs> the, the crazy thing about it is, it kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier, where you're de- delaying gratification. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that one of the biggest, not one of the biggest, but a power move is to be qualified for something, but then not go after it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're going to qualify you to buy a house that costs $500,000, but you're smart enough to buy that house that costs 200 grand. You'll probably pay that house off in 10 years or five years, which yeah. then positions you to do even bigger and better things going forward. And I think that is the way people should be thinking, thinking intelligently about their finances and not taking advice from salespeople. Man, that's, it, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy? This whole like self-help entrepreneur mindset, basically people like us are trying to sell people back to themselves, you know, to say like, yo, if you go buy that big ass crib or you go buy that nice ass car, you're just making, you're just like, you're somebody else's investment. Your debt is their passive income. You know, 100%. like, Go, so every time you make that debt payment they're receiving that money you know like it's like if you invest in a REIT you know like you know somebody's making that payment you know for that mortgage or whatever and you're just receiving the dividends for it so uh you're just t- selling people back to themselves like 
bro, you don't think that it's better to have enough money to take a one-month vacation if you should want to or take a two-month vacation or launch a business versus just having nice things? You know, like, you should have that cushion and that, comf that, that comfort to just do your own thing, like, Bro, what if your wife? What if your wife comes to you and says, "Yo, my boss tried to hit on me today." What you gonna tell her? Like, you gotta keep going to work because we gotta pay these bills. <laughs> Ooh, man. So, yeah, man. It's like you you gotta play for the long run, man. People need to stop fucking around. Ooh. Hey, right. oh, hold on, hold on. I just saw this dope tweet, and it says. Having multiple sources of income is like having Clay Thompson on your team. He yeah, might so that was... <laughs> he, he might just show up and do his job day in and day out, or he might go for 37 points in a quarter. Any given day, he can explode. Bro, all right. So that's that's like right – now, right now I have three sources of income that, that are over 100000 right? And someday some of them are slow, but someday some of them are on fire, right? And it's like, if I never even took the time to launch this business, if I never took the time to build this or promote this or launch it, I would have never seen that money coming in. You know, like, yo, if I know it's supposed to make me 500 a day, that's cool. It's going to make us $500 a day. Some days it might make zero. It might go three days making zero. It's just on the bench, you know, or some, some days it goes Clay Thompson where you're like, damn, man, we just did like 12K today. So that's like the cool thing. And that's how Clay Thompson plays basketball. Like, man, he'll probably put up 22, 22, 22, 22, 41. And you're like, damn, I'm glad he's on my team because I don't want to be on the other side of, you know, getting 41 dropped on me. Right. And that's, that's motivation for somebody out there to start that business. Yep. Like, it, it might not be killing the game right now, but you never know what's going to happen. You never know. And you know, it's kind of crazy because you can predict it, though. In a way. So check this out. You know when you're going to have those crazy-ass days on holidays when you can run a sale? Right. When you yeah. go, like, bro, in, in the middle of summer, if you're thinking about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know you're going to run a sale. You know people are literally 93% of the entire country is just preparing to blow their money. You want them to blow it with you if you're going to have this type of brand or, you know, like, yeah. every single, every month has a holiday, right? And the months that don't have holidays, like, let's say August, you just make up a holiday. <laughs> We're doing customer appreciation day, 50% off, bro. If, like, there's always a reason to run a sale. You never know. One of these holidays might be your Clay Thompson 37 points in a quarter. So one of the coolest things about being an entrepreneur and why I think people should be focused on selling goods or having a hustle is when I, I always tell people about how, like, I bought those that candy from those kids. Mm -hmm. And so when I went outside and I bought the candy from the kids, as soon as I bought the candy, he, he told his friends, like, I told you. And so I think it was a strategy yeah. to, not, to not have it completely full, but have it full enough so uh -huh. somebody would just buy the whole box. Buy the rest of it. <laughs> right. And I feel like that's what being an entrepreneur allows you to do. It allows you to think, to create, to do what Chris does. Yep. And a job doesn't allow for that. And in a lot of ways, a job punishes that because if you do that, you're stepping outside of their system. You're stepping outside of what they expect. And sometimes that expectation is going to allow you to go Clay Thompson. And we yeah. need people to have more Clay Thompson months unless just getting 22 off the bench every month from their job. Yeah, bro. I think on that note, that's one of the, the biggest frustrations I had in the military, right? So when people think of the military, they think about how structured it is, you know, especially in the Army. You wake up, like, you're going to get up early. You're going to work out every single day. You've you got breakfast from this time to this time. You know where you're going to be. You know what you're going to wear, all that stuff, right? 
Well, in a way, you could put up with that. In a way, you could put up with, with somebody telling you every single day you need to be here at 6.30 in the morning so we can work out for an hour and a half. Eventually, you just get used to it, right? What really kills you, so it's not really people telling you what to do that like was driving me crazy because that's what I signed up for. It's when I go, yo, I got this good-ass idea. We could si save either time, energy, effort, or money, right? This is how we can save this organization, time, energy, effort, or money. And they look at me and they go, your idea is not good enough or that won't work, right? Mm -hmm. But in the business entrepreneurship world, if I have an idea and I execute, I reap every single benefit. I'm go if, I, if I say I'm going Clay Thompson, I'm going Clay Thompson. That's what it is, you know? And so that's, why, that's why in a lot of ways entrepreneurship is an option. It's like we gotta, we have yeah, to be. You have to do it, bro. Somebody's gonna tell you your idea, idea isn't good enough. Like, when did you become the damn idea fairy? You know, like <laughs> that's what it is, bro. If I have a, if if I say we run a sale, we run a sale. If I say we're gonna do a buy two get one free, we're doing a buy two get one free. If I say I'm launching a new course, I'm launching a new course. I don't need somebody else who is gonna sit back and say, well, actually, you know, I was crunching the numbers and. Uh, based on this report in 1963, we're not going to do it. No, bro, we're doing it because I said we're doing it. And that's the beauty right. of it. Yep, 100%. So, hey, all y'all listeners, man, I hope y'all go Clay Thompson, man, once a month. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything else, Rafael, that you have for the people? I think we're going to wrap it up. we uh, going a little long. So, what... Uh, what sale we got going this weekend? I saw last week it was like fifty dollar watches. Every week fifty dollar watches. Every, every, <laughs> every week fifty dollar Fridays, man. So uh, okay, and we 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 posted on Fridays too. So yeah, it's every, every week, man. But no, what I'm doing this uh, this weekend is I'm releasing a new watch that I have. It's called the Galaxy. It's called the Infinity Collection, and it's like a new style of watch that I have that has like the Galaxy in the background. It's like kind of. Uh, like a, a ode to outer space and it's it's sick bro it's sick so we're, la we're launching this the pre-order is up we're launching this this weekend man so if you want a nice you know piece on your wrist you go to 17th-watches.com or 17thwatches.com and grab that i waited to buy my first one for a while and now i wear it and i have two now I wear them like every day. I just alternate them every single day. Hey, hey, why, why did you wait to buy it? Because I have theories about why people do this. So I want to hear it. Uh, I don't know. It might have. It might have been. Maybe I thought it was too good to be true because of the price. Yeah. I it, was like, let me test the quality out, and then I got one, and then I was like, I got to get another one. Yeah. Okay. Dope, bro. Dope. What I think too, man, for for all the people that are listening that might go start something. A lot of people might sit back and watch you for a while to see if you're serious. Yeah. We all know somebody that, hey, I started this. Next week, that shit's gone. Hey, I started this. Or I'm about to start this. Or how many people would support me if I started this? Two months later, you're done. Sometimes you never know, man. Some, some people are just looking, 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 waiting, and then they, they pull the trigger, you know? I can say that's true because I remember when you just had that first white watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, bro. It's been some time, man. Yeah, so I was like watching and I was like, okay. And then you kept coming out new and better designs. Like the new stuff is hot, man. Yeah, bro. Thanks, man. That, that's, that's what a lot of people say though. They, I remember you had one, you have, I remember you had this. It's going to be the same way for iMac masters. It's going to be, I remember when you had eight year old laptops. So I, I, you know, I'm about to get these iPhone X's now, you know, so I, it's, they're one year late. I feel like, Man, I was thinking about this the way and I don't even think I knew that you were interviewing, but I was just thinking like, if you have a business 
it's your responsibility to stick with it. Yep. Because you won't really reap the benefits until like year three. That doesn't mean that you're not going to make any money in years one and two, but you're not going to really blossom into like year three where you're like, for me, like Ty Capital, we're turning away people like, no, like, nah. At first we're like recruiting people. Now we're turning away people. And that's because we just stuck with something for a long time. Nobody seems to, to want to reap the benefits that come year three, four, and five. You know, they're like, yo, first month, I did $200. I quit. I'm better off watching Netflix. You know, like, what you don't know is that year five, month four, you were going to make $25,000. But you never, you know, you're so far off. You quit right. so long ago, you're never going to get there. I was listening to uh, my my Alexa, what do they call that? Alexa quick brief or whatever they call it. And they were talking about how like Amazon didn't become profitable until like 14. And so we're looking at all these IPOs like Slack, Beyond Meat, um, all these different IPOs and people are saying, oh, it's not profitable. Don't buy it. You don't realize like it just takes time. Yep. It takes time for it to really blossom. And a lot of us, we're in this employee mindset. So if it doesn't come in two weeks, then we got to go look for another job. And that's not how business works. But the, the benefits of waiting are yep. enormous. Bro, when I was when I was building these brands, that was like an issue I was having. Like I'll tell somebody 60 days, it'll take me 60, 90 days. Day 51, day 32, day 38, they're like, yo, where's my shit at? Where's my shit at? I'm like, hey, this isn't the consumer world where you just hand somebody a dollar and they hand you a soda. You're dealing with these manufacturers overseas. Whether I deal with them, you deal with them, whoever deals with Michael Jordan deals with them, there's gonna be issues, you know, like. You don't have the patience. You're so used to, I give you a dollar, you give me a soda. You give me a dollar, I give you a soda. Like, it doesn't work that way, bro. You learn that patience. And then, and then you, it, it just becomes a joke. Like, oh, there's an issue with manufacturing. Cool, man. Like, we'll just release a new product until that gets right. Until that gets ready. That's dope. Yeah. I see, um, I don't know if you guys know this guy, the uh, Devlin Carter. He had a, he had a great uh, interview on The Breakfast Club. He has this fashion brand called Saya Collective, S-I-A. Oh, yeah. And every day on Instagram, he's saying like, man, you guys don't read. I keep telling you guys, it's a pre-order and they got to wait from the manufacturers in China to send me this and this yeah. and that. It's like, trust the process. You're going to get your stuff. Just be patient. Like, <laughs> stop, stop DMing me every day, but when am I getting my stuff? Bro, I, I have that same issue. You, you, when you go to the pre-order button, it will say, Pre-order, expecting shipping date December 1st. People hitting you up in October like, I ordered three weeks ago and I ain't got my stuff. Like, hey, bro, it said December 1st, man. Chill, bro. <laughs> Trust it, bro. Because, you know, like a, a, one thing I, I tell a lot of people, man, like I might forget to respond to someone's email or, you know, update them or something. It's like, bro, nobody that's out here trying to build something is going to throw away their reputation to win over 100 bucks, you know, or to win over – 50 bucks or to win over $200. Like nobody's doing that, bro. So most of the time it's just a miscommunication. But if you're in the consumer mindset where, you know, everything needs to happen right away and the consumer and the customer is always right, like you're going to get caught up when you transition to the, the business world and you realize like, man, everything is a flow, bro. Everything's a process, a system. Yeah. But what happened? I, I was going to say, what happened with these watches? You, you had, you, you, you came on Twitter one time and said, I'm about to release these two watches, uh, but I need names for them. Uh huh. And you said everybody come up with names for these for these watches. Uh huh. You never did put those out, did you? Those are the ones oh, that happened never... this weekend. Right. Oh, right. really? Yeah, bro. So oh, okay. Think about how long ago that was? That was a while ago, man. That was a while ago. I put I put up the money December 18th. 
here we are the next year, bro. The next, the next year. So it was, uh, it was, it was a headache going back and forth with manufacturers, man, going back and forth with them or they'll do something like, you know, try to cut corners and stuff. And you're like, now that I'm taking, uh, now that I'm increasing the quality of the watches. So this is what I teach people, bro. When you first, first launch, you might just have to, you know, buy something and, and hurry up and flip it. But it's your responsibility as a brand owner, your, your responsibility as an entrepreneur to get better. So when the profits roll in, now you got to upgrade the quality. So sometimes upgrading the quality might mean dealing with a new manufacturer. So that might just be new headaches, you know? Like, yo, we don't know who you are. Like, I don't care that you order from the dudes down the street 30 times, you know? So it's like they say, new levels, new devils, man. Like, so that's what happens is, you know, you go to a new manufacturer and you say, look, man, if I'm paying you for this, this is the quality I want. This is the quality. If I wanted this type of quality, I would have went to the old guys, you know? When, back in the day when I was trying to get a quick sell-off, but now I'm trying to focus on the quality of the product. So, mm-hmm. man, that was a while ago, bro. That was a while ago. It's finally coming out. Yeah, I know. It was a while ago. So, I was thinking about this the other day. So, is there plans in the somewhere in the future for 17th watches to be, like, come up with a Swiss-made Swiss movement? Uh, I, or, I, I'm going to move to automatic watches. But I guess my dilemma is I didn't know if I wanted to do it with 17 or I think it's kind of hard to start, like, let's say with a hundred dollar watch and then eventually uh, up versus starting with uh, a $3,000 watch or $5,000 watch and moving down, you know, right. yeah, so I might have shot myself in the foot with that as far as marketing and everything. So, uh, Maybe I, a new I, brand. Okay. yeah, I always had this idea to have like a big brother brand uh-huh. for, for like designer watches, you know? Uh, where maybe instead of you know maybe I maybe it might cost me two you know two fifty a pop, but I could sell them for maybe two grand, you know. Um, but I don't. But I think it. I think it'll be difficult to start at a hundred dollars and work your way up versus working your way down. Right, 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 right. But don't quote me on that, man. I might just drop some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. So okay, so let the listeners know. Where they can find you to various places, 17th, IMAC. Give us the, 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 the URLs. All right, cool. So the watch company, uh, the website is 17thwatches.com. The Instagram is 17thwatches underscore. My personal Instagram is Chris, C-H-R-I-S with four S's. So S-S-S-S Johnson. My uh, Twitter name is CJ underscore Johnson. 17th. So you'll either follow me, man. I'm on the internet all day long, marketing myself, talking that shit. Um, just give me a follow or whatever. And uh yeah, keep up with me and my brands, and my companies. I have one last question. What does the name 17th watches mean? And where'd it come from? Okay, so I'm one out of seven children, right? So I'm one seventh. That's the way I see my siblings. I'm one seventh of the siblings. So it's just wordplay on a fraction. Because I kind of built this company to be for the family, you know? That's dope. Yeah, so one I I always wondered that. Yeah, so instead, I didn't want to call it one-seventh watches, so I just, you know, one-seventeenth. That's cool. That's dope. That's dope. Cool. Thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Y'all keep in touch, bro. And I hope y'all show blows up, man. We appreciate you, man. We've been following you for a while. Um, So you can follow us. You can follow me at Work Money Life. On Twitter, we all know Charles is, well, we don't know what Charles is this week. 
at Todd Billy, T O D D B I L L I, until he gets that account shut down. Um, <laughs> go follow the podcast on Instagram at Black Wealth Tweet Talk. Uh, you got Charles at Todd Millionaire, at Todd Investments. You got at Bless a Black Man on Instagram. Um, what else, Charles? Just always a shout out to the friends of the podcast, which are Erica Williams, Hood Estates, Trade and Travel with uh, Terry, and uh, now 17th Watches, man. Shout out to them. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And of course, Tasha, uh, go to stay. And yeah. for the listeners, if you you need to get your money right, make sure you go to www.godestate.com slash tweet talk. That's G-O-D-E-S-T-E dot com slash T-W-E-E-T-T-A-L-K and get your free 30-minute consultation with Tasha and go to stay get your money right. It's lit. Yeah. So, tweet talk, episode 17. We are out. All right, that was cool.